Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 17 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad that you're here with me today. If you didn't catch episode 16, it was an interview with social entrepreneur, climate activist, and all-around great guy, Stephen Ben, the founder of Wonder Liberia. Even though his social enterprise is newer than most, he has had so much wisdom to share, and it really applies to all social entrepreneurs at all stages and ages, as well, I think, as to business in general. So whether you're an aspiring or experienced social entrepreneur, you must check out that, that episode after this one. Today, we are going back across the globe to Nepal. We are chatting with social entrepreneur, educator, and change maker, Bipana Dakal. Bipana is one of the most versatile and grounded people I think I've ever met. Not only is she serving her beneficiaries, but she's also mobilizing and empowering the youth of her nation, and she has mastered the art of mindset. Bipana seems to know no bounds or boundaries. And while she loves learning from others, there is so much that we can learn from her. Bipana is from Kathmandu, Nepal. She's the founder of Learning Fortress, where she's developed and is implementing informal education programs for children in rural areas who are unable to attend school. What is most amazing, I think, is that the Learning Fortress not only focuses on traditional school subjects, but also encourages children to explore their hobbies and interests and offers training in these areas, as well as practical ways for children to learn the traditional subjects. I mean, how amazing is that? Teaching children to read and count is critical, but there's so much more. From a young age, children are taught that they are valuable and skills are cultivated, which really help them to earn money to support themselves and their families as they get older. Bipana is also a youth advocate, empowering young people to take an active role in national governance and achieving the UN's sustainable development goals. And just a few months ago, she graduated with her bachelor's degree and is researching master's programs. Bipana is also a founding member of my Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Foundations program. Somehow she's managed to squeeze us in as well. 
Deepana, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Trisha, for uh, giving me this amazing opportunity. I'm so glad to be here with you. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. So, Deepana, you have so much to share so much that we can learn from you. Can you start by telling us about your social enterprise, The Learning Fortress? So The Learning Fortress is an initiation which I started back then in um, the time of pandemic. It was the month of March in the year of 2020 when everything was stopped. The whole world was in fear of what will happen next. And with that, I noticed that there's a huge gap of children over here in the marginalized and rural communities of Nepal not being able to have uh, the facilities of education. Not just the formal part of it, but the non-formal aspect, which is really important for their growth, was really missing somewhere. And them being someone who belongs from uh, the community where the access to technologies or internet or any other facilities for them to be able to um, get um, you know, proper education was not there. So I thought there's something I need to do. There's something I need to step up. Me being from the same community, I always had this thing that if in my background from my early age, non-formal education was added, or if there was any activist or maybe any one person even speaking on that behalf, I would have done so much more, so much more better, like, you know, even adding on to the values that I carry now. So with that notion, I started the Learning Fortress, starting with providing non-formal facilities to 20 children of uh, marginalized communities of Nepal. And with that, we have been able to extend our program in community level, including the local government here, along with community uh, youth clubs, um, youth activists and advocates working in quality education, as well as till now we have been able to scale up our project and then reach out to even more population. So directly we're reaching out to 80 children. And along with that, uh, we have been able to reach out to more than 3,000 community people awareing them about the importance of non-medication. And there's so much more you know, my milestone to cover. There's so much more people we want to reach out through uh, the Learning Fortress. Oh my goodness. I can feel the excitement in your voice. That is amazing that you reached out to over 3,000 people. That's a lot. <laughs> so Bipana, you talked a little bit about this as far as in your story about how you got started and it, you were you also came from a background and you realized that if you would have had these opportunities, you might have made different choices or you would be able to add on to what you're doing now. But is there one thing that if, if someone were to ask you, Bipana, what was your spark? What was that thing that was like this fire inside your heart that you just knew that you had to do this? Is there something that was a spark like that that you could you could share with us? I think for this, I would like to take all of you, like the audience as well, to back to my you know childhood story, like childhood time. I belong from a really rural community here in Nepal. It's called Bardia. And then the access to education, like it's really limited. There is formal education, but 
Besides that, you know, the reachability or the accessibility of non-formal education and informal education, it's really limited. And I knew that, like, if I had that, you know, facilities or the resources to access non-formal education, you know, adding something on my personal development at that time, I would be achieving so much more. You know, I would be competing with anyone in the world, whole world, or I would be so much more competent in the thing that I'm doing, right? And this thing really like triggered me that I don't want this to happen to the, you know, upcoming generation. I don't want this to happen to the children of Bordia who are suffering the same thing because I know that this is a problem and it exists. And I wanted to eradicate it since I always believed that if you were able to look into the matters of education, then most of the problems will eventually be solved. This is the principle that I carry. And I always advocate for one should be educated, one should be given access to such platforms where they can do themselves, where they can portray the message of being or living in the whole world with peace and prosperity. So this was something that really triggered me for a really small age. age. You know, the lack of me not being able to gain an arm from education and it... Uh, bringing so many obstacles in my higher studies, me not being able to gain the same resources or same opportunity just because I lacked something back in my childhood that was not for my education. So I thought, let's solve it. And uh, the pandemic time where everything was stopped, as I already told you, was the perfect time for me to execute it because the formal education part was stopped for a while for the children. And it was perfect time for them, like for me to approach the parents and then bring the children together, bring the community people together, and then aware them on what exactly the issue is. So that's how the whole spark ignited the energy or the passion to do something for my community, to do something for quality education was the foremost or the most important reason for me to come up with the idea of the learning fortress and then executing on the spot. Wow. Deepana, that's incredible. I love that you are taking something that was a not just a challenge, but something that is debilitating for most people and could have been debilitating for you. And you've continued to overcome and overcome. And like you said, even in school now, there I know that you just graduated. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Again. I know that you had challenges and things that would have been easier if you had had education. And it's just incredible that you are taking those and you're seeing the obstacles and you're overcoming them. And then you've kind of come along behind and put in like a cushion. That's what I feel is like a, a cushion for the children, not just in your community, but in others as well. And that's really amazing. And you took advantage of something that was really really bad for in a lot of ways and you made it really good and it's it's wonderful that you were able to take advantage of having the children and the families where their hearts were sensitive and tenderized and they were receptive to something new that's huge so i know that you work with there are not many beepanas in the world but i know that like attracts like and i know that you have friends who are very like-minded in that you're ambitious and you see issues and you're really working to change them. 
And I know that you work with a lot of people who are your age in their late teens, 20s, and probably early 30s who are really making really making a difference. When you think about your parents and your peers' parents' generation, what are the qualities that you see that are different in your generation than maybe in your parents or grandparents? The really important and um, the really noticeable thing that I, you know, find a difference in between these two generations would be my parents and my grandparents belong to that uh, generation where patience was a thing. You know, they were patients like with the things that they are doing. And I think even I observe this thing, even I experienced this thing in my own life as well, how impatient we're being, you know, like uh, it's really good to, you know, take a breath sometimes, take a hold and then observe the surrounding around you and then take, take action rather than being abrupt. Being abrupt does not or might not always work, right? So I think this is one really important thing about us not being able to be patient with time and then not being able to grab that beauty of the moment and not living the moment rather than like we are so much more concentrated on what will happen in the future, like what was in the past rather than living in the present. So I think this is one of the really um, biggest difference of you know, like of the time back then of my parents, with my parents and my grandparents and with the generation uh, where we are leading on with. So it's patience. Yeah. Are there, so as you think about that, when you think about your parents and the patience that they have and how our gener or your generation is kind of moving much faster and much more impatient, are there any qualities or any, uh, let's say, habits or things that you are taking from your parents that are where you're trying to slow down or to be more aware or more patient? One thing that I've always learned and admired about my parents and my grandparents, and I think I have inherited, I have practiced it from like, you know, observing them would be always believing in process. Mm -hmm. Never jump into resource process. Like life is all about a process. You should not be jumping into any actions, hoping for better or the best results every time. It's about the process. Enjoy it. Sometimes there's failures. That's okay. That's life. You know, there's failures and then there's success. If life would be giving you all apple, good apples, then you would not be able to taste or, you know, have that different experience of what it's like to experience that, right? So life is all about a process. It's about enjoying it. It's, it's about taking risk. It's about exploring what will come next rather than worrying about every time it should be good for me, every time good should be happening to me. That's not how it works. So this is one principle or this is one idea that has been running down in my household, I would say. And I've learned a lot from my parents and from their struggles, from their experience of how to grow in limited resources, like though being from a, a marginalized rural communities, like how to fully utilize it rather than seeing it as a loophole. How do you like flourish that beautiful thing that we belong to this community? 
that we know how to live our life to the fullest, that we know how to enjoy our life as a process. So yeah, these are, you know, some really small yet detailed things that I have been so lucky to have been experienced or to have been like, you know, learning from my parents. And I hope to have these qualities even more, mm-hmm. even more with my upcoming life and then uh, fully cherish uh, what, what it is there. Well, in my opinion, you have excellent parents. That is wonderful advice. And I'm I'm sure that it's tough as parents to see, they see you and they see how ambitious you are and they see you go, 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 do, do, do. And they probably are feeling like, people to slow down, <laughs> slow down. And they probably don't want you to feel so much pressure about the results because that's what you said. What they say is so true. It truly is about the process. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's wonderful that you've been able to really absorb that and are putting that into place more and more in your life. I think that that's going to pay off a lot and it's going to be great for others as you teach them that lesson as well. So if there's one, well, that was a big piece of advice, but I'm going to ask you just in case there's something else. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to a new social entrepreneur, what would that be? Well, a really amazing thing, and I've been advocating for this to every young people around me, whenever we are, you know, in the platform of idea sharing or uh, talking in general, then I always like, you know, kind of like put this in my words that, one should be able or one should be, you know, ready to take risk. You know, life is not predictable all the time. So you cannot, well, there's one way of like, you know, living your life or making it up to your change making notion. But if you would not be able to take the risk, if you would be just like kind of counting all the things that and, okay, well, I'll be planning this thing and this will certainly work out this way. This is not how it's going to work. You have to take risk. There are so many more risks, not just in your way of like, you know, setting up enterprise or maybe like working out things in the sector of change making. But every now and then one should be able to take risk. And along with that, another thing would be one should always learn how to grab opportunities. One should never say no to opportunities. It's a really, um, you know, big or piece of advice or maybe like needy things for every one of us out there that we are not taking opportunities or grabbing them and we are just letting them go with just one thing what if I would not get in there what if I would not be selected for it what the thing with this is we should be eliminating what if notion Mm -hmm. the question of what if and replacing it I will make it. And if not, it's okay. I'll have plan B and that plan B will be based on what I'll be setting up for myself, what I'll be setting up for the goals that I have. So I think these are the two major advice that I would be giving out to every change maker or every young people out there who are really looking forward to do some change making um, activities. Just ch- take risk and then never say no to opportunities. Always go for it. Keep up with the passion and bring on the enthusiasm. That's all it takes, takes right? To, like, you know, move on with your first step and then magic happens. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible advice. Incredible advice. It really resonates with me what you say about, well, all of it resonates, but especially 
when you talked about the opportunities and replacing what if, if I will make it, because it's so true. So many of us, I know I've been stuck before in my life because of the what ifs. Or if I'm thinking about the what if, it's always the negative. What if this happens, it's bad. Instead of thinking about what if it's good. And so I really resonate with that. And I think that that is really great advice for switching the conversation in your head from what if to I will make it. It's genius. So what is your, so between the learning fortress and obviously Bipana, you have an incredibly positive attitude and you take everything in stride. That is very obvious. Anyone who's watching this on YouTube, you can see from Bipana's countenance, she's very peaceful, but between the learning fortress and family and your more global or public role in youth empowerment and youth advocacy or empowering youth for taking action, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you deal with in your many roles? I think major thing with the lack of resources at many points of life, sometimes do you have the idea, do you have the passion to do everything? Like I usually feel this whenever certain problem arises, then I see it in this perspective. I can do this. There's nothing Vipana cannot do. This is how I manifest myself into change making, right? But sometimes what happens is that despite your um, dedication, enthusiasm, and passion to do something, uh, when there's lack of resources or lack of investment to you for you to do something good back to the community, it kind of demotivates you at a certain point of time. Because being a young people, it's not always you have everything backed up. You have to struggle a lot. You're not settled anywhere. You are there to struggle for your identity. You are there to struggle for, you know, creating a a mission or a goal in your life. And you're side by side doing everything that's going on in your life and, you know, be personal or professional. So in this race, I think lack of resources in any terms, be it um, in terms of materials or be it in terms of um, any sort of like support, mentorship, or be it in terms of um, providing opportunities or the needed platforms for you to shine and then for you to really work on your change-making activities or any sort of things that you are into. These things are really lacking in your journey than one at a time or any point of life, you somehow feel demotivated. And I have been feeling like this thing. Sometimes um, I do feel it like, okay, if I was provided with some support or, you know, some mentorship, then I would have been able to do it quite differently. Or I would have been able to reach out to more people. Or I would have been able to um, do my goals and action more smoothly or more efficiently. You know, these things always come into my mind. And I think for someone like me, resources, lack of resources, platforms, representation, it also really matters from where I come or the goals that I carry. Uh, The power of voice, if it's not reached out there, whatever activism and change making thing, whatever amazing stuff I'm doing, if it is not localized, the global actions are not linked up, then the efficiency rates drop. And the change-making spark is really limited. The capacity that it carries to empower a lot, it's really limited. So I think with these 
all things and the consequences of this and that really demotivates, you know, youths like me sometimes. But yeah, there's always bright side to it, I would say. So though there are obstacles, but eventually we'll be able to many more youths like me, hopefully would be able to overcome it and then use these obstacles as their like, you know, more source of more positive energy. You know, something that you said about that, I think everyone can identify with a lack of resources. And I think it's very relative. I think sometimes even people who seem very wealthy on the outside, they lack resources as well. There's something that's lacking and it might not be a monetary thing, but it's something else. And what I think is incredible is that you recognize that it's a lack of resources, but yet you also seem to I think identifying it and realizing what it is, is so important when it comes to challenges, because sometimes we have challenges and we don't really know what they truly are. And it seems like you really know the root of it. And one of the things that you talked about was the global concept where for someone who is maybe not familiar with it, the term global means global plus local. So what you're talking about is that that you can have this global picture of something, but if you're not reaching people locally, the concept isn't going to go anywhere. And then the same thing, if you could have something, an initiative that you're working on locally, but if there's no global or bigger picture element to it, it's also going to fall flat. So it sounds like really targeting on that is kind of a root then if you know that that is an issue, then that kind of opens the door for resources to come in, or at least to know that that it's the, if something is falling flat, that's the reason. And then there's an opportunity for more things to come in to play. So as you think about the challenges and the lack of resources, obviously you have experienced them, but you have overcome them. You've overcome many of them. And even if you've been demotivated at times, you're clearly more motivated than demotivated. So what is it that you do inside to take care of your your soul and your spirit that you just continue to overcome? Since we know, like, this is the era where everyone is busy. People really have time even to uh, take a breath. I would, I would define it in this way. This is how busy they are. And among being involved in many of the stuffs, being involved in change-making activities and my academics things going on, I've been, I have my own personal life to um, dedicate it to my parents or my relatives or my friend circle and have my me time as well. There's a lot of stuff going on and to maintain it, I think it's all about um, me spending more time with nature and I take it as a form of meditation. So what I try to do is that I try to meditate as much as possible. I try to um, be closer to nature. That really works for me. And it's accessible as well. Like I live near to like my community is near to national park. So the environment here, it's 
really like peaceful. It's really calm. If I get sometimes overwhelmed or maybe anxious with my like workload or being cashed up with so many of stuffs that I forget to give me my time, what I easily do is that I try to close all the devices around me. Mm-hmm. I try to be far from like, you know, the crowd of people around me. And then I um, kind of like, you know, take me myself to a really calm uh, place where there's like trees around, where there are, are like, there's like open ground or where there's simply breeze of air. So that's all forms of meditation for me. So what I believe is that giving me my time is directly proportional to me being closer to nature. So that's how I relate and it to me growing up in that respect. And it has been helping me a lot. It definitely has been keeping me grounded to earth. It has been connecting me to my community. It has been me more grateful to my community for what it's giving me. That's peace. Mm. And moreover, I think it also justifies, you know, like um, me enjoying my life so much the phenomenon of nature it always like amazes me like how it works and then it also like you know fascinates me the whole mechanism of how these silent things can make such a big difference in your life with all the hustlings going around taking a pause and then being around that scenario it's really divine it's really magical and that that also adds me like you know like that works as a fuel for me And then I keep on running for my deadlines and then for my work afterwards and then back to my normal life. Um, The Deepana who is made for change, making the Deepana who is used to work a lot and then enjoy it. So, yeah, that's how it is working from my side. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I think when you talk about meditation, I think people have a, a different perspective of what meditation is. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that meditation, a form of meditation is being in nature and how healing it is. And what you said is so true. It is, I hadn't thought of it that way. How fascinating is that something that doesn't make a sound can make you feel so good. And also what you said too, is that your time, I think you said your time in meditation is proportionate to your you didn't use the word success, but to your effectiveness. And I think that's really amazing. Wow. So what are you most excited about these days, Bipana? You have so much going on. What are you most excited about? There's like a lot of like youth engaging campaigns going on around and me being able to directly work with these uh, young people really excites me a lot. And what exactly even inside there would be the amazing ideas and the curiosity that we young people carry. And it's always fascinating to be in the same room with another change maker like you who is so much passionate to work in their community, do something for the people around or even make a change, make, make a small change possible. So these days, my I am certainly engaged in many um, youth campaigns. I am working as a gender youth ambassador, working for HIV prevention, um, sexual reproductive health rights advocacy and comprehensive sexual ed- education activism as well. Along with that, I'm also working as a river designer so um, working as a river designer to design, to plan out um, 
a certain space for young people to be accessible or nearer to achieving grants or resources for them in order to launch their you know, initiation or projects. Along with that, I'm also involved in the data values projects, with, which advocate for data, the use of data, and then how much it means in our life and how we are portraying data, how data is being directly or indirectly um, incorporated in our day-to-day life. So these are some of some or the other activities that I am keeping myself busy with. Along with that, yeah, there are many more like, you know, some like um, minor things that I keep myself engaged with. And I'm so much uh, more enthusiastic to be like filled with certain like and diverse, you know, experiences in front of my way. And I feel as if like I have so much more to give. I should not be limiting myself with one or two, you know, outreach programs or one or two spaces that I can be engaged with. The more that I'm engaged, the more I feel as if like, okay, now, well, Vipana is, is exactly doing what she's supposed to do. Vipana is exactly meant for this and she can nail it. So these are some of the things that I've been uh, keeping myself busy with and enjoying it a lot fully. Oh, that's amazing. And that's wonderful that you're enjoying it a lot. I think that that probably makes your parents feel much better to see that if you are doing so many things to see that their daughter and to see you enjoying it. And that is really important, really important. I wonder if you ever sleep. You must meditate a lot because you obviously get a lot done. (laughs) So before I ask my last question, Bipana, where can people find you? How can they support you and be involved in some of the things that you're doing? I'm really like active on LinkedIn. So people can reach out to me on LinkedIn anytime. So uh, along with that, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, but as well as my um, in my email. Um, but mostly I use LinkedIn and my email. So anytime if there's anyone who wants to reach out to me and then talk about any ideas, anything they want help with, or maybe any certain talks that they want to fuel up their change-making activities. I'm always there. I would be more fascinated to be a part of their um, journey or even uh, really small help. So yeah, anytime people can reach out to me and I would be glad to be of any sort of like use for them. And moreover, I would feel glad if if I would share amazing ideas for, from young people like me and then sharing my ideas to them and then it's how like everything is working from our side. So yeah, let's get connected and then talk more about our change making notion, our change making ideas, and then work together and create some change. So yeah, anytime these people can reach me out there. Fantastic. Okay. So we will put Beepana's links in the show notes, especially I'll put all of them in that she mentioned, but especially LinkedIn, we'll put that one first and you can connect with her and notice that Beepana is not, she's more interested. She doesn't need people. She's not really seeking people to help her. She's seeking to help others and to collaborate and to work together. So I think that you can see Beepana's heart in that response alone in case you haven't already figured it out by listening to everything else in this episode. Okay, Ms. Beepana, the last question I have for you, because I know that you have a lot on your plate and I really appreciate your time today. 
looking out 20 years from now, when you are, let's say, in your 40s, what is the impact that you want to have on the world? I think what I would, I am really looking forward to or what I would be loving to see in my 40s out there would be youth representation. And I believe in the power of youth. So that's what I'm speaking for. I have seen a lot of incredible minds having so much amazing ideas, yet not being able to put it up in the desk to the decision makers, just because of the lack of opportunities or the lack of representation in general. So by the time I'm 40, I really look forward to my upcoming generation being up in the lead and putting out their voice in the table and then sensitize the policymakers, the decision makers in order to make the world a better place to live. And along with that, I also see myself being engaged um, more with my community and then creating a space where the community people themselves are engaged to solve their problems, to solve the problems of their community. So creating a participatory approach for development is something that I am looking forward to work more often in my coming days. So certainly I'll be launching something in my coming future as well. I'll be launching even more amazing ideas and then initiation. My community and community like me, which are underrepresented and marginalized, because I think if we would be able to put efforts in these communities, then they would be able to lift up and then the whole notion of equality would be justified. Mm -hmm. If equity is not served, then equality does not exist. So I think investing in rural communities is the first step that I'm really looking forward to. And I hope, you know, like with time, these things would be accomplished and then I'll be able to set up, you know, many amazing projects, not being limited to one, many amazing initiations, uh, not me being the initiator, but with, you know, my motivation or with my initiation, many young people being the one who wants to like, you know, do something for their community. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, like kind of um, organizing or kind of building up a community of young leaders and providing them resources and support whatever I can in whatever form. So these are the things which I really look forward to. And yeah, I have so much high hopes and then so much energy that I would be like bringing these things on the table and then would be able to do so much more for the young generation if I would be in that space with lots of experience and lots and lots to give back to um, the upcoming generation. So yeah, these are something that I am really hopeful and uh, really looking forward to. Beepin, I have to tell you, I see a Nobel Prize in your future. <laughs> Amazing. I just, I can't wait to see what that looks like. So thank you again so much for your time today, Beepina. Considering your present life and how magnificent it is and what an amazing woman you are, I can't imagine the greatness and the impact that you are going to have on our future. Oh, it means a lot. It means a lot. Like, I personally thank you for providing me such an amazing space for me to, like, poetry or, you know, like, keep my voice in here so many more young people would be able to listen and then somehow, you know, kind of reflect back 
where they are and how they are moving forward with. To keep the vision of change making, it's, I think human life is made in this way that they have, like us as human beings have so much more to give out. Not just mm-hmm. us taking from Mother Earth, from our surrounding. I think it's dual responsibility of us to balance the rights and duty. And that's what we are doing. We are not doing anything extra. We are doing something for us, for our generation, right? So if, you know, this platform being something which uh, would certainly and definitely help me reach out to more young people and then energize them to come up together and then collaborate for something amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited that with this platform, um, my voice has been reached out to more people and then it would multiply and then the voice would be amplified in a really magical way. And I am like quite sure about it. So thank you so much, Trisha, for providing me this amazing opportunity. And I really look forward to the amazing response of the audience out there and definitely do reach out to me what you feel about the podcast and then what you feel about our talk as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Beepana. All right, everyone, you heard it from Beepana. She wants you to reach out. So her information is in LinkedIn. She has so much information to share. This is probably a podcast that you might want to actually listen to a couple of times. And um, so we'll keep up with Beepana and watch her fly in the future and hopefully get to come alongside her every now and then. We'll see you next time on Avant Garde Entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.